0: Good morning. Happy Sabbath. I'd like to thank our praise team, our drama team. Have we been blessed already today? Amen. God is good. I pray that his goodness has been experiential in your life this week. Because every day is a blessing from God. And God's goodness is always present. It's always evident if we just take some time to look for it. I appreciate that drama because it really reminds us that The trust that we have in God is not based on our ability to trust, but based on his promises, based on who he is. And we can trust God in all things because he is completely trustworthy, even when things are not going well. Amen? This bar is for a word of prayer as we spend some time worshiping God through the Scriptures. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we are here today because we are here to worship you. You're the God of the universe. You are the sovereign one who sits enthroned at the center of all things. And Lord, at that center of the universe, where you are seated is called the throne of grace. And so, Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your grace and your love. Lord, we thank you that you have showed that grace and love towards us through the cross of Calvary. And today we worship you. Lord, as we open your word today, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us, that we be transformed in this time of worship as we praise your name, as our hearts are lifted up to you, Through your word. So we thank you and we love you and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was young, I remember some of my earliest experiences with fishing. And those experiences were with my dad taking me, my brothers, and usually a neighbor or a friend from church. And we'd always go probably about once a month on a fishing trip. Now, I had the most amazing experiences going fishing when I was growing up. I mean, we would go and I got to say this, we never returned home without a bunch of fish. How many of you have ever gone fishing and not gotten anything? (laughs) If you've gone fishing, you've experienced that. But I'm, I'm telling you, I used to go every time and we would come back with multiple, usually 15, 20 fish. And so this whole experience for me was something amazing. We'd go to this place. There was a pond there. We'd have our fishing rods. We'd have a hook, and we'd put a piece of corn on the hook. We'd throw it in, and boom, within a minute, we'd be pulling a fish in. And so it was an amazing experience, always catching something. And I remember as I grew older, my dream was shattered. The first time I went fishing alone with my neighbor, his, friend, his name was George, And we went to a a local stream not too far from our house. And we fished for hours upon hours. We had all the right stuff. I had some corn and even a couple other things I didn't know how to use. And we were throwing it in this this creek and nothing. Two hours, nothing. We came home discouraged. My brother and I were like, what gives? What in the world is this all about? Well, we went to our dad and said, Dad... We went fishing today, didn't get anything. How comes every time we go with you, we catch something? He goes, boys, there's something I need to tell you. He said, we just don't go fishing anywhere. He said, the place we go is actually a trout hatchery. <laughs> so so we, he used to take this place called Arrowhead Springs in Kleinfeltersville. That's a great Pennsylvania name. Kleinfeltersville, Pennsylvania, near Lancaster County. And... It was actually a hatch where they raised trout. They'd stock these ponds, and so you'd be walking along, you'd see where they're raising them, and it was always packed with fish. You could even probably just rub a piece of corn in your fingers and have a smell on the hook, and they're yanking, and you're yanking fish out of this pond. And so we called it the cheater's pond from then on because it wasn't real fishing. It kind of felt like we were fishing in an aquarium. <laughs> where the fish were there, they're kind of captive, and they're just waiting for the next morsel to come and grab. But in all seriousness, many times, we too, in this life, in God's work, go fishing at the cheater's pond. Maybe what we would call even the aquarium. And I know it sounds absurd, but it's so true. Today, we're going to explore what it means to be a true fisherman in the kingdom of God. Because let me just say this, I'll start off by saying this. If you're a child of God, then he's called you to be part of the family business. And if you're part of the family business, you have fishing in your future. I just want to tell you that. If you're part of the family of God, you have fishing in your future. There's no choice. So let's open to the word of God to our main text today which is Luke chapter 5. Now, fishing was a staple in the area of Israel. It became a staple of their economy. As a matter of fact, it became their main source of protein or, or food or meat that they ate because of the booming fishing industry. And many of the Hebrews became part of this. And so the setting of this is the Sea of Galilee. So many things in the Bible, in the New Testament especially, center around the Sea of Galilee. And this sea was, was a place where it was just teeming with fish. As a matter of fact, this is a lake that's not that huge. It's, it's pretty big. It's 13 miles long by 7 miles wide. But it's the lowest freshwater body of water on the planet. Freshwater. And so for whatever reason, this place was just teeming with fish. It flourished during Jesus' time. There were an estimated 230 fishing vessels that would go out in this lake on any given day and bring back fish to sell in the markets, to sell in all the different areas around Jerusalem and Israel. And here we find Peter and Andrew, James and his brother John, these four individuals, and most scholars believe they were cousins, by the way. James and John were the cousins of Andrew and Peter. But all four were fishermen in the family business. And so they had this this 23-foot skiff that they'd take out, And they'd fish. And and what did fishing look like in the day of Jesus? Well, there's usually about three different kinds of nets they would use. First was what we call the drag net. We see this in the New Testament. Jesus talks about a drag net in the book of Matthew, where they would take this huge 100-foot-long net, and they'd put it down in the water that was weighted in the bottom, and they'd just drag it with the boats and bring the fish into the shore. And so there was also a, a round circular net about 30 foot wide. They'd just throw out of the boat, which they then bring back together, and catch the fish. Well, the story we're about to read, I believe, was probably the third kind of net. It's called the seine, which is actually, I'm sorry, the Trammel, which is composed of three walls, which also took multiple boats. And this net was attached to various places, but it would be dropped in the water offshore distance, usually always at night, because this type of fishing, this when you had the most opportunity to catch the fish, was during the evening and during the night. And so after a while, they'd bring the the net in between the boats and they'd pull it up and they'd bring it to shore. And it was in the morning that usually every fisherman was found doing the exact same thing. They were mending and they were washing their nets because these nets were made out of linen. And if you didn't wash and mend them, they'd just get destroyed. This was their livelihood. You had to take care of your equipment. And so that's what these disciples were doing. And here we find the setting of Jesus In chapter 5, verse 1, it says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him. Jesus was already a popular preacher. People had seen his miracles already. They had seen, they had heard his teaching. The rumor was spreading that he could be the Messiah. And so the crowds were gathering, and so strongly they were pushing him into the water. They wanted to get close to Jesus. And so it says, And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. They boxed him in. They put him in the syene, in the net. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from there and were washing their nets. Then he got out into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Verse 4, When he had stopped speaking, he said something to Simon. He said something very specific, very intentional. He could have said, okay, we're done. Take us into shore. Let's talk a little bit there. But instead he said something. What's he say? He says, launch out into where? Into the deep. Go out far into the water. And basically the deepest part on this lake was about 150 feet. It wasn't awfully deep, but fairly deep. He says, go out into the deep. And do what? He asked Simon to do something that was absurd because of what Simon had been doing all night long, even to this point. And nobody usually uses this kind of net during the day. He says, launch out of the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught what? Obviously, he didn't know my dad's secret. They didn't catch a thing. And they were discouraged. They were tired. They were wondering, what in the world is this individual asking us to do? We've caught nothing. But Simon Peter had already had some experience with Jesus. And he says, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. By the way, Jesus had already healed his mother-in-law. And the fact that he still loved Jesus was a good thing. He must have loved his mother-in-law, just teasing. (laughs) (laughs) But he says, let down the net. And he says, because at your word, I will do that. You know, something amazing here is that Jesus asked Simon Peter to do something that this man had been doing his whole life, Like his father had taught him, now he was doing, he knew what worked and what didn't, and now Jesus was asking him to do something that didn't work, that wasn't supposed to work. Go out during the day, use this special net that only works at night, and put it down for a catch of fish. You know, in this life, many times we hear the voice of God. And many times he's asking us to do something that doesn't make sense. Have you ever had God ask you to do something, to go somewhere, to speak to somebody that didn't make sense? God usually works in ways that stretches us that causes us to challenge our system of thought and our way of doing things why because that's what causes us to be required to use what we call faith to trust him if he asked to do everything that was easy and didn't require any faith or things that always made sense we would never grow but instead, Peter, knowing that Jesus was a man who, who had been walking with God, he wasn't quite sure if it was God yet. Maybe we found the Messiah, but he had the power to heal. He heard his teaching, and he says, "I will trust, I will trust you, and I will do as you have asked me." And then it says. In verse 6, and when they had done this, they did what? They caught a great number of what? Of fish, and their net was actually breaking. It was so full and so weighted down that the net began to snap. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' feet, knees, saying, depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. We were just talking about this in our Sabbath school class this morning. The closer we get to Jesus, the clearer the picture we have of Jesus, the encounters we have with Jesus, the lesser that we will become in our own sight. The more we see the goodness and the grace and the love of Jesus, the more faulty, according to the spirit of prophecy, as she says, we will appear in our own eyes. And so Peter as we see later, he is a boisterous, proud man, but he is humbled at the feet of Jesus. The one who asked him to do something that didn't make sense, but by faith he does it, and now he realizes that even in his obedience, he still wasn't quite sure. He still had unbelief, and he was wondering why in the world did I even have any doubts. I am a sinful man. He's in the presence of Jesus. He's in the presence of Jesus on his knees, asking Jesus to depart. But Jesus says, I'm not going anywhere. Verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. It was a miracle. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. They were afraid this was such a huge miracle. This was something so amazing it was bringing fear into them. It says, from now on, you will catch men. So when they brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. They left everything. They left the boats, they left the nets, they left all the stuff that they did, and they followed Jesus. How do we respond when Jesus asks us to follow him? How do we respond when Jesus asks us to do something that's apart from what we're comfortable and familiar doing? He's always calling us to enter the realm of what's usually impossible. I love this. Someone just sent this to me this morning. But then, as God works, He also accomplishes it, though it is difficult. And then He finishes it. Those things that are impossible become difficult, but then the difficult are accomplished by God's power. And this was no different this time. If we follow Jesus and if this is the call of his disciples and we are called to be his disciples just like they were, then the question remains for us, are we fishing for people? Has the call changed? Has the job description changed? But the question is also accompanied by another question. If we're not fishing for people, could it be that we are hanging around the aquarium too much and we're not going where Jesus is calling us to go fishing. Some years ago there was a series of books called The Complete Idiot's Guide to and you know every single thing computers whatever it might be and or else whatever it was for dummies. So so Jesus is going to teach them a lesson. It's going to be the simple teaching of what it means to be a fisher of men. One simple instruction he tells them, but it is profound. This is the complete idiot's guide to fishing for men. Verse 4, Jesus says it. We may have missed it, but here it is. It says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. There it is. Did you catch it? Jesus says, launch out into the deep. That's it. He gets put out in the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Why would Jesus tell them to go out to the deep water? Very simple, because that is exactly where the fish were. They weren't near the shore. And so God has called us to the deep waters away from the shore, away from our aquarium. God has called us to be fishers of men. You know, we are all like those great fishermen that Jesus was fishing for. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11 is a fishing story. Jesus was fishing for fishermen. He's calling us to be fishermen and women for him. If you're a disciple, remember what I said, you're part of the family business, you're a child of God, and if you're part of the family of God, you have fishing in your future because that's what God has called us to do. I know it might sound crazy, but it is absolutely true. But notice what he does here. And you might be saying, there's no way I can can fish for people. I don't even know how to talk to people, especially people I don't know or people that might be in those deep waters. But Jesus looks at this group of four fishermen, and he realizes something. He realizes that they did not have it all together. As a matter of fact, think about it. Think about these first disciples that he calls. There's James and John and their nicknames were the Sons of Thunder. They were hot-tempered and passionate. They they were not the best type of people. And then you have Peter the Rock who was hard-headed, who was also boisterous. Then Andrew, he seemed to be kind of the quiet one. My aunt always said you've got to watch the quiet ones. They're sneaky. I don't know. But these four guys who were rough and tough fishermen. You know, when in the modern day when we say people have a mouth like a sailor, it probably didn't start with the military. It's it's always been that reputation or where the sailors have come from. And I don't know if that was the case with them, but we do know that these guys were hard workers, but they were a rough group of people. And Jesus sees them not for what the surface would have said, but he saw deep within what they could become in him. And so when Jesus sees you and he sees everybody, he sees you through the eyes of grace. He sees you and I through the eyes of his power and strength working in and through us. He sees your potential in him. And so he sees these fishermen and he realizes what he could accomplish through them. The least qualified to do what he was going to ask them to do. Remember, God never calls the qualified, but he always qualifies the call. He's called you not because you are qualified to do what he's asking you to do, but he will qualify you because of his call to you. He qualifies the called. And each one of us here are called. We are chosen. We're his disciples. We're his children. And so he hasn't asked us to do anything that apart from his grace that we cannot do. Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I love what it says in Acts of the Apostles about John. If you have any doubts about if God can use you, listen to this. It says, John did not naturally possess the loveliness of character that his latter experience revealed. John the Beloved wasn't so beloved in the beginning there. <laughs> Notice this. It says, By nature, he had serious defects. He was not only proud, self-assertive, and ambitious of honor, but impetuous and resentful under injury. He and his brother were called the sons of thunder, evil temper, desire for revenge, the spirit of criticism. The the list goes on. This John guy was a really hard case. We're all in this beloved disciple. But this says, says beneath all this, the divine teacher discerned the ardent, sincere, loving heart. Jesus rebuked the self-seeking, the disappointed, his ambitions tested his faith But he revealed to him that for which his soul longed, the beauty of holiness, the transforming power of the love of God. I mean, this is the guy who wanted to call fire down on the Samaritans, the one who goes along with his mom to petition for the greatest place in the kingdom, now called the beloved, John, the one who understood what closest with Jesus, not because of who he was, but who Jesus was. And he was simply open for Jesus to change him. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And if you're in the family business of Jesus, you have fishing in your future. (laughs) You've been called. I've been called. Something amazing. As we look at the deep, are all our surroundings that we see around us Are teeming with fish. They're teeming with fish. Remember, Jesus said that the harvest was plentiful, but the workers are few. The sea is large, it's teeming with fish, but the fishermen seem to still be few today. We've all been called, but many of us have not received and answered the call. But it doesn't change the fact that we've been called. And by the way, here's something interesting, that God is more passionate about the seas than the aquarium. What's that mean? Are you saying God doesn't love his church? No. God loves his church. It's his body. He, He loves the body of Christ. He loves each one of us as part of that body. But he's more passionate about the seas than the aquariums. Why? Because the aquariums are filled with those who've already received Jesus. And the seas are filled with those who are lost and need to find Jesus need to experience his grace and so what god is passionate about is lost people matthew 18:11 says for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost jesus came to save us to save those who sin had separated from god god loves the redeemed don't get me wrong but the bible says there is a party in heaven When one lost person comes to know Jesus, that's passion. God's heart longs and celebrates when the lost are found. He's more passionate about the deep waters than he is about the aquariums. Remember, the deep can be a scary place. and Maybe that's why we have a hard time venturing out there. Sometimes there's storms like the Sea of Galilee. They come out of nowhere. Sometimes it's unpredictable. Sometimes it's just the unknown that we don't know what we're going to face, what we're going to say, how we're going to approach something. It's a scary place. But we're, we're more prone and we're more comfortable in the safe environment of the aquarium where it's clean, it's sterile, it's oxygenated, the water is clear. You have all those little pebbles in there and all those little plants that you placed in there exactly where you wanted it. The aquarium is such a nice, friendly, peaceful place. It's clean. It's comfortable. There's nothing to worry about in the aquarium. But unfortunately, we don't fish in the aquarium. We was put into the deep. The question is, are we ready for a boatload of fish from the deep waters? If God's calling us to go into the deep, are we ready as the church of God, as the body of Christ, for fish that come from the deep waters? Because, you know, what happens is, you know, all of us are sinners. The Bible says that. The Bible assures us that we're all sinners. And yet we tend to think that those outside of the church, those outside of the aquarium are are worse. But the reality is they just sin differently than maybe we do within the aquarium. But are we ready for fish from the deep? They might drink like a fish. They might have addiction. They might be living in a moral life. They might not dress like us, talk like us, act like us. Are we ready for a boatload of fish from the deep? Imagine if next week there were 500 deep sea fish joining us Here. Thank you. (laughs) That's what the appropriate response is. Praise the Lord. But God is calling us to have an environment here that can receive and love and nurture. A group of imperfect people who are learning to be real with God. And you can be honest enough to admit that we're also sinners, but also come alongside those who are struggling in their lives in different areas, and maybe we are, and love them to Jesus. That's what God has called this church to be. And it is. I praise God. This is a church that is loving, is accepting. And so I praise God that God has placed this church here in this place, not simply as an aquarium, but to go into the deep waters and receive the fish that God will send and is sending. I know sometimes we, we say, well, well, hold on. What, what, about, what about the standards and the rules? What about the rules? What about all the things we're supposed to be following? Doesn't this compromise things? God never asked us to lower his standards. They're eternal. But what we see is that while Jesus kept the standards, he never allowed them to be a wall from reaching the lost. He never allowed them to be a wall from reaching the lost. Jesus ministered to people who were publicans and sinners of all types, Samaritans who followed an apostate form of Judaism. Jesus was not afraid to hang out with sinners. As a matter of fact, he was accused of being a glutton and a wine bibber, a drunk, because he was at parties with people who were doing these things. Friends, we're afraid to go to a picnic where we might be confronted by a pork hot dog. We don't know how to respond what do we do? I don't know. Do you have a can of Big Franks? The reality is if we want to catch fish, we have to go where the fish are. We have to go into the deep. And that's an uncomfortable place. Many of us here, there's two dynamics. One dynamic is is that when we look at our life when we enter the body of Christ, we become part of this community. We build friendships and relationships. We become part of the overall big picture of this church. Then we find a subgroup that maybe we're close to, a group that nurtures each other, becomes a smaller unit of a family within the broader unit of this family. But how many of us, if we've been here a while, in the body of Christ, still know people and are friends with people who live in those deep waters? Because how are we ever going to fish for people if we never go into the deep waters. That's a challenge. He calls us to be in the deep. We must learn by the, to fish by the example of the master fisherman Jesus. As the Father has sent me, he says, so send I you. He sends his church out. He doesn't call the church to be a place where everyone comes. As I said last week, he calls us to go. Go into the deep waters, wherever that is, go. We've not been called to be keepers of the aquarium, but fishers of men. The scribes and the Pharisees tried to be keepers of the aquarium, and that wasn't a good thing. They were zealous to build up walls to keep things clean inside, but in the process they kept everybody else out. Matthew 23, 23. Jesus says something to the scribes and Pharisees that is so pertinent to us today. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. He says, you're doing all the right things. You're you're doing, you're giving, you're following the rules. You're part of the aquarium. But he says, you're neglecting something. The the weightier matters, the, the more important things of the law. What are those things? Justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done and the emphasis there in Greek is first and foremost, above all, without leaving the others undone. The weightier matters. Justice. Helping those who cannot help themselves. Caring for those in our community who need our help, who need to see the love of Jesus. Mercy. Being merciful not just to each other but also to those who are living in a world without mercy and grace and being faithful to God, faithful to his call, faithful to the call to be fishers of men. Are we neglecting the weightier matters of the law? Are we focusing on the the minors and neglecting the majors? Christ looked for every possible way to bring them in because he understood that only he could transform their lives. A prostitute named Mary, a tax collector named Zacchaeus, a legalistic Pharisee named Nicodemus only could be transformed in the presence of Jesus. And if we're not going into the deep, if we're not associating with people who need Jesus, then how are they going to find Jesus? How will they know if they do not hear? And how will they ever hear if we do not go, the Bible says? It's clear. Instead of breaking a bruised reed or snuffing out the smoldering wick, Jesus mended them, ignited a fire in their hearts. You know, one time I was about to do an evangelistic series, and one of my members uh, said, pastor, he said, I really pray, I've been praying, that God doesn't send us any of those crazy people from out there in the community. i went, what? What do you mean? You know, there's, there's people that come in here and you know, just be strange and do things that we're not used, used to, maybe cause disruption. I said, I said, that's exactly who God wants to bring in to, to the church. Maybe God wants to disrupt us a little bit, because that's how we grow. That's how others grow. That's how God accomplishes his mission. Jesus disrupted everything in his day and age because they became so comfortable, so familiar. They were off center of what God's purpose was. So sometimes Jesus needs to come in and disrupt things a little bit. And maybe we each need Jesus to disrupt things in our life a little bit to accomplish what he's calling us to do. You know, sometimes we think if we stand on the shore and just dangle the bait that people are just going to come flocking to us. That's not Christ's method. Christ's method is always to go. And we say, okay, that's, that's fine, Brian. Let them come because as soon as we get them, we'll, we'll skin them, we'll scale them. They'll be just like us. <laughs> they'll be Le- Leviticus chapter 11 fish then, right? They'll be clean, acceptable, just like us. And if we don't like them, we'll just throw them back in the water. Remember Christ's parable. Turn with me as, as we're about to close. Matthew chapter 13. Remember, there's a few kinds of nets. Here's Jesus is talking about a cultural norm, which was the dragnet, the thing that they used there in the lake of the Sea of Galilee. Matthew chapter 13, verse 47. Jesus is teaching about his kingdom. He says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that is cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. He's describing a picture of of picking up all different kinds of fish, not just the Leviticus 11 fins and scale type fish, but all kinds of fish, which then, when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels and threw the bad away. He says, so it will be at the end of the age when the angels will come forth and separate the wicked from the just and remember that statement because that is key. Because it is only God, through his angels, that will finally discern that. It is not you or I. There are people all around us who we think are lost causes. Who we think are far from God, but God says, this is my son, this is my daughter. They don't have it all together, but I love them and we're working. We, we, have, we have a relationship, and we're working things out. And then there's those like the Pharisees who might end up being cast out because they thought they had it all together, but they didn't care about Jesus. Here's the key. God's called us to be fishers of men, to go into the deep, to gather the fish, It's not our job to separate the fish. Let the angels do that at the end. That he calls us to bring in the fish, to love, disciple them, not to judge them, not to tell them that they're not wanted here or there. No, no. And this church is one where I believe God is using and will continue to use in even greater ways to nurture those who are lost. He's calling the Spring Meadows Church, as I said last week, To go into the deep, to go into the deep of Sanford, of Apopka, Altamont Springs, wherever you are from, Orange City, wherever you live, he's calling you and I to go there. Not just to our houses, but our neighborhoods, our workplaces, all around us, to look for the fish that are in the deep. To look for those who He's calling into His kingdom, those who don't know Jesus, and to love them, and to be friends with them to build a relationship so that they may see the love of Jesus in and through us. God works in the context of relationship and he calls us to do the same. I left Andrew out earlier. We talked a lot about Simon, uh, Simon Peter, James and John. But Andrew, Andrew, he was special. He was maybe the quiet one we didn't hear a lot about. But notice what it happens in John chapter 1. Is that Andrew, here's Jesus teaching. He runs quickly, he finds his brother Peter. He says, I think we've found the Messiah. And he brings him to Jesus. John 6, he finds a little boy with a, a few sardines and a couple loaves of bread. And he brings him to Jesus. And then there's some Greeks who they weren't even supposed to talk to who want to see Jesus, and Andrew brings them to see Jesus. God has called us to be like Andrew and keep bringing people to Jesus because he's the only one who can transform us and them. If you've been called, as we all have, to be about our father's business, then you have God as and you, we have God as our father. Then we have fishing in our future. It's your family business, regarding of your profession, education, or social status. And the key lays in Jesus' statement: "I will make you fishers of people." God is moving in our church. He's moving us to open our doors, to go outside of our doors into the deep of our community. And we must not relent. Have any other greater priority? It's actually in our mission statement and vision statement. We're called to make disciples in Jesus' name and bring Jesus to our communities, our vision here at Spring Meadows, if you didn't know that. Are we living that? Then our challenge today is if we're not, then we need to begin in our own lives and through a corporate body of Christ here at Spring Meadows. God is opening doors. He's opening up opportunities to do just that in our surrounding communities. The, The question is, will we answer the call? We allow Jesus to qualify us, not because we are worthy, not because we are qualified, but because he has called us. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today, unworthy, seeing that we are weak. As we get closer and encounter Jesus in our lives, we recognize how imperfect we are. But, Lord, we thank you that you don't call those who are perfect. You don't call the qualified, but you qualify the called. We're qualified by the blood of Jesus, by his grace, by his sacrifice, and by your Holy Spirit's power working in and through us. And so, Lord, we're called today to be fishers of men. And most of us don't know what that means. Lord, sometimes as we look at the the task, it seems seems enormous. It It looks impossible. We feel inadequate, but Lord, that is just the situation that you work best in. You work best in the impossible. You use best the inadequate to confound the wise. And all of us come before you today with humble, open hearts, asking that you would use us, that we be surrendered to you. And so, Lord, today, we offer ourselves to you. We offer our church to you. We offer this collective body of believers to you to go into the deep waters of our community, to go into the deep waters of of the people around us and not be keepers of the aquarium, but fishers of men. And so, Lord, today, we praise you for what you're going to do through this church, through these people, through each one of us. And we thank you and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Please join us in singing our last song, I Will Follow Thee, My Savior.
0: for a prayer dear gracious heavenly father as we leave this place we leave with a renewed sense of who you are you're the god of the universe lord you're not dependent on us or our skills our gifts because father you are above all these things and you can work despite ourselves and so lord we thank you for what you're going to do this week we praise you that you will be working in and through us in the deep waters wherever we are at that could be even in our own homes, could be the deep waters that we are called to fish in. And Father, whatever that looks like, I pray that you would just accomplish your plan. Give us open hearts. Use us, we pray, to be shining lights for you, just to share the love and grace of Jesus through our words and our behaviors, all things that may reflect you to the world around us who desperately needs to see a picture of Jesus today, a revelation of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Yes, it's all in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. If you would like special prayer, we're going to have a couple elders here at the front, and you can make your way forward. Uh, if you have anything special you'd like to be prayed for, uh, please come, and we'd be happy to pray with you. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sabbath.